Hey there, we've got a special bonus pod for you this week. Uh, we've been teasing this uh, in last episode and uh, the episode prior. Uh, we had a really special interview. Uh, John was able to catch up at our tailgate this past week uh, against Maryland with two gentlemen, uh, Walt Verson and Roland Mesa, uh, two guys who are putting together a documentary about uh, former Northwestern football players, six offensive linemen from the late 70s, early 80s, who managed to get involved with one of the greatest rock spectacles of all time. I uh, don't want to spoil anything else, uh, so we'll just go ahead and get to that interview uh, with John and Walt and Roland. So, Walt, we're, we wanted to start with you because this jock and roll story, the idea, it all stems from this wild story that we're heard that goes one of the things we love about this story is it takes us back to what for a lot of people think of as like the dark days of northwestern football right the, the, the big quote the before times right when everyone goes and to talking about okay back where this quote unquote like the early 80s right this period of time late 70s early 80s there's this group of northwestern football players who go on this unbelievable ride that, like, it's difficult to even describe and take the steps that ends with you on stage right next to one of the biggest rock bands in the world. Uh, walk us through this journey. Take us through. You're a Northwestern football player at Northwestern, and you end up on stage with queen on someone like in front of thousands and thousands of people night after night how do we get to this place uh, it's it, it, it it's an insane story it's it's a it's a it's it's a it's an absurd bunch of coincidences that lead us here and and i actually came in in the middle of it it it, it, it the story runs from 77 to 82 and I came in in the middle because there was a player at Northwestern who was an Alex Agassi recruit named Paul Krasilius, who was an offensive tackle, class of 76, Northwestern. And he went to work for a security company out in Milwaukee called RTM Heavy Security. And RTM, at, at, now at the time, the whole security business at the time was just heavies and thugs and motorcycle gangs and this the guy in Milwaukee Terry was ahead of his time he wanted to hire big smart guys so he harvested football players and, and somehow he harvested Paul Corzelius among others and Paul went to work for him and but Terry had also worked done some work with the Rolling Stones so those things together got Queen to hire him. Well, this business is about personalities, more than anything else. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're perfect at your job, if your personalities don't match. And this goes to how we ended up getting along so well with the guys in Queen. They didn't. They and Terry didn't get along, and they knew right away this wasn't gonna work. So it was on thin ice when Paul, this 22-year-old kid, came out to do his stint. They liked him. So they kept him and got rid of the company and there was bad blood and lawsuits and all sorts of shit like that. But the short of it is Paul ended up working for Queen 
1977 through 79. Then I showed up on campus in 76, started working concerts for RTM and Terry Cullen and hearing of the legend of Paul Corzelius, who then was out with Queen. And yeah, you know, the guys would talk. It's like our, our teammates out with Queen. It's unbelievable. Yeah, this guy's like out, like doing concerts. Yeah, it's just crazy. And so yeah, it's like you know, I'm a young freshman, you know, learning and having the world open up in front of me. And well, and then so over the course of my four years, I became, I got to know Paul, and when he went from. Queen doing security to Cheap Trick being a tour manager, which in that world is an, is is a big promotion. Uh, in our world, he got Queen to hire me. So in June of 1980, at 22 years old, I was the head of security for Queen. A Northwestern football player, and it's thinking, oh, so you're a Northwestern football player. What do you also do? Oh, I'm also the head of security for Queen. <laughs> And it was an, it was insane. And not only were we next to them, we were they put us in part of the act. Like if you if you Google Freddie Mercury and Superman or Freddie Mercury and Darth Vader, you'll get pictures of us because it's somewhere in what was it 77, 78, 79, somewhere they decided to do Freddie wanted to do on Halloween night somewhere in one of the years. He wanted he wanted to dress up, so he wanted the, the bodyguards. And by that point, there were two. Paul had brought Doug Houck out with him, his his teammate. In from they were both Agassiz recruits, and and ended up you know, finishing with with Pont, both unsuccessfully. But that's part of the story too. Um, so they dressed up as as Superman, and they carried Freddie out. The two of them, two Supermen, out out on on. Yeah, and then that continued on. Doug, Doug came back to finish the degree, and and Paul Paul stayed out, and then Paul did Superman often, and did Santa Claus, and then when when I got the job, he said, "Well, they might ask you to be Superman," and so I was prepared. But I was also I was a Northwestern guy. I was a cheeky fucker, just like most of the kids that go to school here, and so when they asked me to do Superman. I said, sure, I'd love to do it, but hasn't that played out? And Fred, Freddie Mercury, kind of looked at me and puzzled, and I said, what about Darth Vader? And he said, okay, I love that. Go. And so I got a Darth Vader costume. So for about a dozen shows on the American tour, U.S. tour of 1980, I carried Freddie Mercury out on my shoulders dressed as Darth Vader during We Will Rock You. Insane, because now that picture is—it's a meme, and it's all over the internet. And I, people ask me for my autograph because I carried Freddie Mercury out of my shoulders a dozen times, 43 years ago. It's just this gift that keeps on giving. Just so, nuts. So how? I'm so curious about like this overlap between the world of football and the world of like Queen and rock concerts. So you've got. Because you mentioned that there were a total of six six guys total for now. Were they all Northwestern offensive linemen or? Yes, we were there. Offensive linemen. I think Doug 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 played. Doug started as an offensive lineman and ended as a D line. The rest of us were, and it's strange. We, most of us were offensive tackles. Corzelius was an offensive tackle. Me. 
I brought Mike Fiedler out with me, second team All Big Ten center. Um, he, Paul brought Doug out with him. I brought Mike out with me for the American tour. And then later, Wally Kespricki, who was tight end, four-year letterman. Uh, and then Tony Artisoni, who was the most decorated football player out of all of us, worked for Queen for a short period of time later. Um, but we were all offensive linemen. I mean, it, back then, the first part of the job back then was visual deterrent. Right. So we were the biggest guys. So it made sense. Paul's 6'5", 260 pounds. At the time, I was 6'5", 250. You know, we were we were big boys. But we kind of took to how the rock tours go. It's very organized. I mean, you, you guys know. You 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 football guys. The, the technicians, this, there's the skill players, but the teamwork guys are the O-line. And rock tours are like big, they're like paramilitary operations. So it makes sense that offensive linemen would take to that. And we did. Paul was great at it. They loved him. He had dug out with him for a while. And then when Paul went to work for Cheap Trick, they wanted someone just like him. Well, so I'm the spawn of Paul Corzelius. What, is, what was it like for the rest of these, like, for the rest of the football community? The rest of the NU football, like, was there, like, something going around in, like, in practice and stuff? I mean, like, do you know what these guys are doing? Like, when they're not, like, what was, what was that piece of it like? Well, yeah, it, 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 yeah, because the, the lore, well, it started with Paul Corzelius. But when Paul and Doug played Superman for the first time. They ended up in Playboy magazine. Yeah, and not, not as a centerfold, but at the back there was always the sort of news of the day celebrity stuff. And so you know, here we are at Northwestern and 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 we didn't know well, well I knew Doug uh, and I didn't know Paul, but it's like here's teammates in Playboy magazine, you know, so it's like the lore, and so it was, and we all worked, dozens of us worked for Terry Cullen, we all worked concerts, yeah. almost every one of us worked, worked concerts, some like me and Paul, and we liked working concerts, some guys didn't find it to their taste. And what was the period, so you become head of security for Queen, how long does that last for, like how long does this go for? Well, I got hired for the American tour, which is going to be nine weeks, and it turned into two years because they took me to the rest of the, in the rest of the world, and and we it was America for nine weeks, Europe for six weeks, Japan for three weeks, South America three different times over about a four month period, and it was I think I totally did. 82 or 82 or 92 shows over two years world around the world just it, it changed my life it changed my DNA but going back to the Darth Vader thing they would have kept doing that except George Lucas sent a cease and desist my, my, That's I, how you know it worked enough I think, my, I think I think the picture of me carrying Fred got into Rolling Stone and you know it's not like today we'd, we'd get sued overnight it took a few weeks, and at one point we just, it was a cover of Circus Magazine, which is the big rock magazine at the time, 
And but it, eventually they and I didn't know that that I just knew that Fred didn't want to do it anymore. I only found out later that George had sent a season. I, I want to I want to briefly address the amazing low key flex of you repeatedly referring to Freddie Mercury as Fred. <laughs> that's that's how I knew him. You know, he's Fred to me. Yeah. You know, it's like he's yeah. The world knows him as Freddie, and yeah, I knew him as Fred. So. You guys, this group, this kind of core cadre of Northwestern football players working skirt, you all had nicknames for each other? Well, we didn't have nicknames for each other. They had nicknames for us. Oh, okay. And it, it, it's a talk. You, you asked about cultures. Well, some of some of the cultures, they weren't, they didn't clash, but they joined in in strange ways. Like when when I first went out. I was the first three weeks I was on the road. My my jaw was constantly on the ground. You know, it's like things would happen. I'd go, oh, holy shit, and I'd have to recover because I was there to do a job. Um, and one of the first things I learned was, I mean, this was a different this was different era. Um, but but Fred was he was the most famous out homosexual on the planet. And and even though professionally you know, it, 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 they didn't broadcast it, he was living, you know, gay lifestyle. And I knew that, that lifestyle. He was living his life, uh, and he happened to be homosexual. And th- that was part of you know, what we had to learn how to navigate because we had to we had to protect them and we had to work with them. And and the second day we we were around. They they gave what they called then cat names, which they kind of call drag names now. Um, and uh, my name's Walter Verson, so I became Vera. Uh, Mike Fiedler, they named Fenella. So it was Vera and Fenella, and we were the security sisters. And it's and and again, you know, jaw drops. Like, oh, what do I do with this? Well, you live with it. That's you know, that's that's. That's their culture. This is their thing. You know, you, you learn to get along, and you get you get embraced, and you, you know. And, but there was that kind of learning. We all had those moments. I know Mike Fiedler talks about. He had he had to go with Fred, go shopping in Greenwich Village, and in, you know, went to his first gay bar and saw his first. You know, his, his, he saw a lot of stuff that he hadn't seen in Toledo, Ohio. You know, up to that point. And it's just, you know. It's, it's amazing to, to juxtapose the world that you guys were in then with, like, the world now. Where I think about, like, you think about the athletes now, and you think about NIL, today's Northwestern football player. And some of these guys are names and their faces, and, like, you're really trying. And obviously, that was true back then as well. Um, and But you have the idea of promotion and the idea of... Oh well, you know, like this guy in his free time, he's going to try to do this public thing and be a face, and like we'll try to get him compensated. And juxtaposing that with the situation where you guys are working security, but you're working security for one again, one of the most famous people on the planet. Um, do, can you envision? Like, do you think that this kind of story is even replicable for like a college athlete today? No, it's it can't. It's it, it's can't. Well, it's a it's a different era. It's forty three years later, and the world has changed significantly. I I, I met 
my counterpart who's working for them now, and he's a Royal Air Force guy. I mean, he's a, he's a trained, he's a soldier, he's a marksman, he's all these things. I was a knucklehead barely out of college. Yeah, and, and, and so what happened with us can't happen now. It can't, now you get, you can, you can get a, probably a minor, or if not a major, at Northwestern in the music business. And you still can't reach the heights that we reached just by stumbling in. It's a completely different, a completely different, it's a different time. It's, it's, an, it's amazing. So tell us about um, the, the step now that we're doing to, to try to get from this to this documentary. Um, play the game, a jock and roll story um, that is, is coming into works. Um, tell us where that is right now. And Roland, if you want to speak to this too, um, the director of this movie, um, of this documentary, tell us about the, the process, where you are right now and where you're looking to go from there. Well, right now, uh, what I've been doing is filming little bits and pieces, interviews with the guys, uh, some B-roll. You know, unfortunately, Doug Howe could passed away, and we filmed the, the memorial that was uh, done here as a tailgater. And uh, I'm putting together sort of a proof of concept, they call it, real, and raising money, again, to complete the film. So it, with documentaries, it's, it's many years. It takes years, you know. And the other thing you learn with documentaries is the story you go in to try to make is a different story than you end up with. And certainly with, with Doug passing away, it changes a lot of things in the story. And Wally uh, also faced an illness. Um, that changes things around. And, and so it, it really helped make this film a much broader or much deeper resonating kind of film than just some football players from a losing team who go off and have this great adventure uh, with a great rock and roll band. It, it becomes much deeper and richer uh, than that. So it's about putting the story together right now as I get the interviews and the story unfolds uh, from what these guys tell me. And, you know, got to raise the money to make the, to make the film. So we're doing, uh, uh, we have a film fiscal sponsor called Film Independent, and uh, we get donations uh, through them that people make donations to our film through Film Independent and uh, also getting investors as well. So we're going to try to do that. And uh, and while doing that, it also helps build this community of, it's a strange community of diehard Queen fans, Northwestern, you know, people love Northwestern and college football fans. It's, it's this really strange kind of group. Well, it's, it's, it's wild, though, because you're talking about several things that are timeless. Obviously, Northwestern football, I mean, to all of us, but college football is one of the most timeless things. But Remy Malik literally just won an Academy Award for playing Freddie Mercury. I mean, there's, some things have staying power. There's obviously that interest cutting across a lot of areas. Um, so if people want to support uh, this documentary, like, what can they do? Where can they go to do that? Uh, definitely our website. We have built up. You'll see a lot of photos, including the Darth Vader's and the Supermans. Uh, the website is uh, playthegamefilm.com, uh, and there's a place there where you can click and donate to the film if you uh, love this story, if you love Queen, if you love Northwestern football. Perfect. So, I mean, this is fantastic. We look down the road, hopefully, um, again, as you guys get closer to putting this thing together and as we move through the process, obviously we want to get you guys onto the pod to talk about all this in much greater detail. 
thanks so much for coming by the tailgate today. This has been a blast. Um, we will put everything up on um, on Twitter. Uh, and again, at the end of the pod, just so everybody knows where they can go and find out everything they need to know about this. But thank you, Roland, Walt. Thanks so much for coming. It was by. a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us, and, you and, and Sam. Go cats. Go cats. Go cats. Incredible story. Uh, once again, thanks so much for uh, Walt and Roland for stopping by the tailgate, uh, catching up with John. Uh, really, really cool to see. Obviously, as we get closer to the release of the documentary, we'll have them back on to talk more about the stories, to talk more about the experiences of, uh, of, of back then and also putting together the documentary. It's just such a such a cool story and, and really fun to, to hear about and can't wait to get them back on as we get a little bit closer. If you're listening to this before the Iowa game at Wrigley, uh, don't forget to join John and me at Beermiscuous at 2812 North Lincoln uh, for our watch party. Uh, for, for the Wrigley game. Uh, we'll be there at 2 o'clock. Uh, kickoff is at 2.30. Uh, hope to see as many of you there as possible. Um, and we will see you at Bermiscuous. We will catch up with you again after the Wrigley game. And thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time.